Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Our Heavenly Father, we thank and exhort you. We give you praise, glory, and adoration. Once again, we come before their feet to receive instruction with the mind for wisdom, with the mind for understanding and comprehension of that God of glory which you are about to reveal to us. And we ask you for the grace that the that which you are going to receive will work effectually in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are going to start a new series today. Or call it the generation of Christ or the genealogy of Christ. Any one of them, you can use that. The generation of Christ or the genealogy of Christ. The generation or the genealogy of Christ. Now I'm going to define these two words, generation and genealogy. Praise God. A generation is a body of living beings Constitution a single step in line of descent from ancestors, like generation. So you can talk about maybe in, in a simple way the Ogaga generation, you know, standing from a lineage, starting from a people, and continuing on. Uh, I read it again: a body of living beings constituting a single step in a line of descent from ancestors. And then we talk about the group of individuals born or living contemporaneously. E.g., we have the generation, or the, what you call maybe the younger generation. Sometimes you talk about the younger generation. These are people living at a particular time, uh, contemporary living, as it were, if you will. So we can talk about the new generation or the younger generation. Uh, generation is the action or process of producing offspring in terms of procreation. That is generation. Starting from a point and have continuity. Amen. Praise God. Now the word genealogy is an account of the descent of a person or family. Genealogy. The account of a person or the descent of a person or family. That's what genealogy is. Amen. Uh, when we talk about genealogy, we're talking about a group from which an ancestor or from an older forms, you know, takes off. The study of maybe family ancestral lines, you call that genealogy. Amen? So, the two words are interchangeably used, if you will. So, we can talk about generation, or we can talk about genealogy. Uh, we want to look at, for instance, the genealogy of those who returned from Babylon. So we look at the book of Ezra, chapter 2. Uh, and the simple definition of these words, I want to use scriptures to uh, clarify them to your understanding. So let's look at this. Ezra, chapter 2, verse number 1. Now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those which had been carried away from Nebuchadnezzar 
I mean, carried away whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah and everyone unto his city. Now, we are talking about those who were taken away captive by Nebuchadnezzar and they finally returned back to Jerusalem. So, verse 2 says, Verse 2, which came with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Seraniah, Reaniah, Mordecai, Bishnah, Mizpah, and all of that. The Bible said the number of the men of the people of Israel. But I want you to know to talk about those who came with Joshua and uh, Nehemiah and Zerubbabel. Which finally they start building the city. Now, go to verse 61. Verse 61. And of the children of the priests, pay close attention now, the children of Habaniah, the children of Koz, the children of Basilea, <clears throat> which took a wife of the daughters of Basileon the Giladite and was called after their name. This sort, listen to this, this sort their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy. But were not found, therefore, where they as polluted put from the priesthood. Amen? Now, we are saying, the word is saying here, this group of people, when it was time, you know, in Israel, you, you have to be a priest from a Levitical priesthood for you to be able to function in the temple. So now, these people came, as it were, might be used what they claimed to be priests. And then, they went to the record to find out which lineage they came from. Because you like, for instance, the father of John the Baptist was Zachariah, and he was in the course of the priesthood of Abiata. You get that? Good. So, they came and said, okay, let's trace your genealogy. If truly your parents were Levite or priests that could function in the temple. You know, they were rebuilding now. Okay, fine. Now the record says they couldn't find their names through the record. And so they were set aside as being polluted by implication. They were not qualified to minister in the temple. Did you get that? Right. So that is the word genealogy. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. You understand what I'm saying now. It talks about tracing your lineage to your ancestral parents. Right. So these people could not minister because their name was not in the book or in the genealogy of the priesthood that were qualified to minister. They couldn't trace their lineage back to Levitical priesthood, as the case may be. Are you with me? Right. So that's what I'm trying to make you see. Now, <clears throat> look at Genesis chapter 5, verse number 1. Genesis 5, verse number 1. Very interesting aspect as well. If you look at this, what you see there is, this is the book 
of the generation of Adam. You can equally say the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, may him. This is the genealogy or the generation of Adam. Is that okay? Right. So here we're looking at tracing the ascensor spirit from Adam all through in terms of his children. Now, praise the Lord. But he said the book of the generation, the book, don't miss that. The book of the generation, so you can't say the book of the genealogy of Adam, the day that he was created. God made him in the likeness of himself. The book of the generation. Now the Hebrew word book actually means a register. It means an account. When you play book, you're talking of a register. You're talking of an account. Any kind of writing, even a letter, such as maybe the bill of divorcement. Here it means the account or register of the generation of Adam or his descendants to the 500 year of the life of Noah. Counting from Adam. The book. So you're talking about the record of the children of Adam. Praise God. Are we together? Right. So when you say genealogy, you're talking about the book. Talking about the record, talking about the account. Amen. Now, if for instance you give birth in the hospital, you know, there's always a record, a register. Is that okay? Yeah, that register can be referred to as a book. You can literally trace all the children that are born part time in that uh, city or in that country. That's why it's for your population configuration, as the case may be. So here we have the book of the generation, or the account, or the record. Please, I want you to pay close attention, because this is very, very critical. For you to understand where you are today, for you to understand the season that you are in God, for you to know exactly where you are right now, by reason of the redemption of the blood of Jesus. Understanding the work of redemption, in relation to where God has placed you, and where you were, before you came in. So here we find the generation of Adam. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it talks about the day that God made him in his likeness. And that is Genesis 1.26. Right? And it talks about the book of the generation of Adam. And the day that God created him. Created man. 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 In the likeness of God made him. The generation of Adam is connected to the day that God created man. So now we're talking about the beginning. So you go back to Genesis 1.26. That's where the creation of man was kind of prophesied, if you will. And the Bible says, God said, Genesis 1.26, Let us make man our image and after likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Praise the Lord. When you look at this, I just read Genesis 1.26. Did you see it? Praise God. 
When you look at this, it simply means when we are talking about the book, Genesis 5 verse 1 now. God is only trying to remind man of who he was before the fall. Amen? Praise the living God. So it is to keep man in remembrance of the height of the glory that man had attained to before the fall. And to let man know that the sufferings and the death of this present times and season were consequence upon this transgression of Adam. And did not result from his original state. Why? Because he was created originally in the image and likeness of God. Free from all natural and moral evil. I want you to pick that. When he said the day or the book of the generation of Adam, the day God made man in his likeness, it clearly tells us that everything we are passing through now was not there in the original package that God had for man. But it came in as a result of the fall. Are you with me? Praise God. Hallelujah. So you see that when you start looking at the patriarchs, for instance, you find that their ages were decreasing with time. If you start looking at from Adam, you get that. Good. So Genesis 5 1 is actually trying to tell us that man was created in the image and likeness of God. And then his age were not supposed to be limited or fragmented, if I want to use the word. In the way it is today. The people dying as early as maybe 60, 54, 50, whatever the case may be now. That was not the original intention of God. All of those things began to happen by reason of the fall. So when God gave us this picture of Genesis 5 verse 1, He's just trying to remind you. This is who man was before the fall. So in the true sense, one will trace the genesis or the generation of man. We ought to be tracing that to where? Genesis 1.26. By implication, our true origin is the image and likeness of God. So when the man came in, I mean, God the fall, got into the fall, things begin to come down. So we look at the scripture for this in Genesis chapter 5 verse number 5. Genesis 5 verse number 5, the Bible says, Adam lived for 930 years before he died. Genesis 5 verse number 5. If you could take the whole look of that chapter, take a look at the whole of that chapter, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. Is that okay? Right. Adam was 930 years before he died. Seth lived for, according to Genesis 5 verse 8, Set live for 912 years. Genesis 5 verse number 8. Methuselah actually broke the record. Genesis 5:27. He lived for 969 years. Almost clocking 1,000 years. Now you can imagine what was in the life of man at that time. That was because, you see, man was actually in the image and glory of God. And the image of glory of God does not contain death. Dead things were not supposed to be found there. You see that? So Methuselah, and you know Methuselah was the son of Enoch. He lived for how many years? 969 years. Are you getting that? Good. So this is taking you back to who man ultimately was and originally was supposed to be before the fall. That's Genesis 5.27. 
Then when you look at Genesis 5:22 to 24, you find that Enoch lived for 365 years. It looks like was the shortest, but the Bible says, and it was not found. Right? Praise the Lord. Good. And then again, we find that in Genesis 5 verse 31, Lamech lived for 770 years. Lamech lived for 770 years. Praise God. That is Genesis chapter 5 verse 31. 770 years. So begin to look at that. When you look at the whole of that chapter, you'll be able to see that man was living for a very long time. But now, it begins to decrease. The graph was coming down. Is that okay? Right. Now, I always tell people this. When the Bible tells us that Jesus, he that ascended, is he that fell descended. Now, we have to understand that. If there was this, if, if this is a plateau, let's say, this is Eden, this is the place God made man. Straight line. Is that okay? Man fell and began to drop down to the lowest level where people now die, even as aborted children, if you will. Is that okay? Aborted pregnancy and so on and so forth. It went deep down. Now Jesus went down also to the level. So if you have a V-shape, for instance, you find a man fell deep down to the bottom. Is that okay? Jesus went right there. And what is he doing? He ascended. Now what is he doing with the ascension? He's taking man back again to where it was before the fall. Now it took many years for man to drop to that level. So it's going to take many years to get man to the top. Now this is where people are confused and begin to think that man is not going to be restored to where it was. It took many years to get man to this level. Think about that. 969 years one man was living in Methuselah. Is that okay? The years begin to decrease. So he get down to a peak where people not die as if found die, you know, whatever the case may be. Jesus get down, that's why he took the key of death. Now he's bringing man back up again. So you can begin to see the vision. As long as it took man so many years to come down, it's going to take many years to get up to the top. God is not doing it with his men, let there be light. No, no, no. That is not what he's doing. He's processing man from the level of death to the level of life. One more time. Praise God. You, are you following me? Right. So if man took so many years to come down to the basement, Jesus got down to the basement, took the key, and is now bringing man up again from that basement until the gets to the top again, where it becomes image and likeness of God. In that instant, no death can be found in man. This is what God is doing. So, it's not truly a question of maybe rapture tomorrow or something like that. No, that's not what God has in mind. This is exactly what God is doing. When the Bible says, He that descended, it's also He that does what? Ascended. And led captivities captive. Praise God. Are we here? Alright. So we understand what genealogy of Adam is now, or the generation of the way. Now look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21 and 22. King James, I'll uh, show you something now. <sighs> Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For sin by man came death. By man also came the resurrection of the dead. Did you get that? How did death enter into man? Through Adam. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die. 
Even so in Christ shall all be made what? Alive. I want you to see that. Now if you, if you think man can get back to the place that he was by reason of being in the genealogy of Adam, that simply means the blood of Jesus is not as strong as compared to the blood of Adam. That means Adam can overdo or override the power in the blood of Jesus. Are you there with me? Because here are two people. One brings the whole of humanity down to the basement, to the realm of corruption, realm of decay, realm of frustration. Another man came and is taking the same company of people that he brought down up again to a higher level. In other words, Jesus is undoing everything that Adam did. Your redemption is that everything that Adam plays on you by reason of identity and identification and association, Jesus is undoing that. Amen? Look again at Romans 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin enter into the world, and death by sin, and so death pass upon all men, for that all have sinned. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus. Praise the living God. Did you get that? So everything Adam did, Jesus is undoing it. Even if it is death, he's undoing it. Even it is the poverty, is undoing it. Everything Adam plays on you, Jesus is removing it. And taking you back to who you were supposed to be. Praise the living God. Are you with me? So now, all these people we're looking at, by reason of one man, sin entered the world, sin entered, dead by sin, all of those pictures you're facing, all of them is tied to the genealogy of who? Of Adam. Did you get it now? Yeah. I'm trying to take my time so that I get the picture accurate. Everything boils down to the generation of Adam. So you can say we were all in the generation of Adam. Before the coming of Christ. Are you following me? Right. Remember, we can't tell some people there... You know, Methuselah, we talk about Adam himself, and then all of those people, Enoch, Lamech, Seth, right? All these were supposed to be the children from the genealogy of Adam. But he didn't end there because he moved down to the end, I mean, the rest of humanity. Because the original position of Adam was supposed to be an image and likeness of God. And that is supposed to be a central tree. The image and likeness of God. So when corruption came, everything that has to do with our glory began to diminish. So man's life was getting short on the face of the earth. Praise the Lord. Okay. So then, that generation of Adam. And we are saying that through this generation, we are able to inherit death, we are able to inherit sin, we are able to inherit failure. If I became our DNA, because we are connected to Adam, don't forget, Ezra 2 tells us that there were certain people that could not officiate or minister because their name were not found where in the genealogy. 
So, the genealogy is what identifies you as what you can do, who you can be, what you can definitely be able to manifest. It's definitely connected to the genealogy. Are you there with me? Right. Okay, so, everyone, by implication, every human being on the face of the earth was tied to the genealogy of who? Of Adam. Are we correct? Alright. Now forget, genealogy simply means a book. And that is also very, very important. It means a book, it means a record, it means an account. Don't miss that. Praise God. Alright. So, this book of the generation of Adam, like we read in Genesis uh, 5 verse 1, simply means not just the account of the life of Adam and certain of his immediate descendant alone, but his influence on mankind in general, for all came from Adam. And that's what I was trying to explain. As long as everybody came from Adam, so all the people we counted now who lived that much, it didn't end there because we are also the offspring or the children of who? Of Adam. So we belong to that genealogy. We belong to that tree. Right? The generation of Adam, which is the record, the book that was kept, all of us were in that book. And now we begin to act and live as Adam. Hallelujah. Yes. Which is what you call the old man, which is called what you call the flesh. It's simply Adam. Our life was dictated by the spirit of Adam that was in us. To do exactly like our sense to Adam was supposed to be doing. Immediately he fell. That's why the Bible refers to Eve as the mother of all living. Everybody on the face of the earth is a child of Eve. Amen? Praise God. Are we together? Right. So, that has been our generation. And then when you look at the account of the generation of Adam, you'll be able to see that there are peculiar things that were happening to the children of Adam. One of the major things is death. Even before the law, the wages of sin is death. Even before the law, death was in place because Adam already had died. The seed of death was already imposed in man. Is that okay? Right. Because Adam partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So death was introduced into the system. So all those who are the generation of Adam, mankind as a whole, partook of that seed, and that seed was working in their system to cause death to happen. By implication, help me Lord. You see, Jesus is coming or came to reverse and to take away, to undo. Now, you look at it this way. We're going to talk about it a little bit. But you see, if you are sick, you take medication. What is this supposed to mean? The medication is to undo the effect or the power of that sickness that's in your life. Are we together? Right. So even the same thing. You see, Adam has introduced into us certain dead things. So the life of Jesus is meant to undo all of those dead things that were within us. And that is what redemption is all about. Redeeming you from the realm of corruption and decay into the realm of glory and life. Praise God. Let's look at now the generation of Jesus. Because these are the two men. Mighty chapter 1 verse number 1. Glory. The book of the generation or what? The genealogy of who? Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Genesis chapter 5, you find what? 
the generation of Adam. Mighty 1 verse 1, what do you see there? The generation of Jesus. So if the generation of Adam was all that came out of Adam, what did the generation of Jesus supposed to be? All that are coming out of Jesus. Amen, somebody. Are you getting this? Yes, I need you to get it because very important. You should be able to know where you belong. You should be able to know what Jesus has come to do, what he's doing in your life right now by his spirit. Even though there are see all of these things going along, you must understand that you're finding yourself in a completely new and different generation from the previous one. Praise God somebody. So now, if we find the generation of Adam to be the record of his children, the record of as many as belong to him, the generation of Jesus should be what? The record of all those that belong to who? To Jesus. Very simple. Are you getting it? Praise the Lord. I want you to give this because very important. Now, again, for instance, Genesis 37 verse number 2. Genesis 37 verse number 2. These are, not if you want to say, these are the generation of Jacob. Look at that. Joseph, being 70 years old, was reading the, reading the flock and bread in and he, the lad was with the sons of Bela and with the sons of Zipla, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, look at that. These are the generation of who? Of Jacob. What is that supposed to mean? The children of Jacob. Is it, is it becoming clear? Right. So we have the generation of Adam. We have the generation of Jacob. Let me see if I have another one. Look at um, Numbers 3 verse number 1. These are the generation of Aaron and Moses. In the day that the Lord spake with Moses in Mount Sinai. Did you get that? Praise the living God. Now I want you to understand the meaning as the scripture describes it of the word generation or genealogy. Amen? Alright. So like we read before, generation of Adam, I mean of Jacob, telling me the account and history of Jacob and his sons, Joseph and other remarkable branches and the children. And so when we read again now here, the generation of who? Of Moses and Aaron. That is the history of their life and the act of these persons and some of their immediate descendants when you say the generation of Moses and Aaron we're talking about the life of the children of Moses and Aaron and their children I mean everything that pertains to them the record about their life and activity is what you refer to as the generation of Moses and who and Aaron praise the Lord again we can find um Similar to Genesis 2 verse 4. Genesis 2 verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and what? And the heavens. The generation of the earth and the heavens. So we're talking about everything that was created. Is that okay? Right. That speaks of the generation. I need it to get it because very important. So, you find the generation of Adam, you stop talking about all that Adam had. His children, his activities, his lifetime, everything that pertains to them. Speak of the generation of Adam. And one of the things, like we are saying, that very peculiar to the record of Adam is death. 
Of all the things, that is the strongest thing that Adam carried and distributed to mankind. And that is what? Death. Praise the living God. Okay. So now, having understood this, we go back again to Matthew chapter 1 verse number 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Amen. This will now speak not only of the record or account of the genealogy of Christ as shown from Abraham to the carrying away into Babylon than to Christ alone. It go beyond that. Because look at Genesis chapter... Let's go back in that mighty... Okay, look at verse 2, then we're going to jump to verse 17. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac began Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Look at that. Go ahead, verse 3. Praise the Lord. And Judas begat Pharis, and Zerah of Taman, and Pharis begat Ezron, and Ezron begat Aram. You just go on and on and on. Now. Go to verse 17. So here, when you say the generation of Jesus in this context, you trace him where Jesus came from. Are you getting that? Look at verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David, all the record, all the account for Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away uh, into Babylon unto Christ are what? 14 generations. Praise the living God. You getting that? Good. Now, when you look at it now, so when we talk about the generation of Jesus, we are talking about the account of the ride from Abraham to the time of Christ. So his root being traced back unto Abraham. Amen? Now, but it doesn't end there, like I said before. Because there are two major figures in the Bible to which account and generation we are actually looking into. And that is Adam and who? And Christ. So now we know that the generation of Adam didn't end with all the people that are counted. It included every man that is born into this world. Partaking of the life and the activities of Adam by the way we behave and the way we conduct ourselves. And therefore the generation of Jesus does not end with this counting that we have just seen. It includes everyone that had come into who? Into Christ. Are we together? Praise the Lord. Primarily then the generation of Jesus is actually talking about the history of his birth, his act, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, the ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That is what you find to be the generation of Jesus. We are now speaking of a new race that Jesus began. Are you with me? Just like we had an old race that Adam began or had. So, when we were in Adam, we were in the generation of who? Of Adam. So, when you come into Christ, help me Jesus. When you come into Christ, you change your genealogy. Are we here? Right. You change your genealogy from Adam to that of who? Of Jesus. So, when we're talking about the generation of Jesus, we're referring to every bit of his activities to date. And one of the things by which he starts getting the new generation is the outpouring of what? Of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Are we still here? So now look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 21 again. And then verse 22. 1 Corinthians 15 21. 
For sin by man, who is that man? Adam came dead. By man, who is that man? Christ. Also, the resurrection of what? Of the dead. Did you get that? Praise the living God. Sin by man came dead. Even so, by man came what? The resurrection. So, I am saying, the re- I mean, the second man is undoing everything that the first man did. Amen? If you go to the medical world, or maybe hospital, whatever the case may be, and you are given an injection, the excess of injection is to undo the virus or the power of that which is causing your sickness. Am I correct, somebody? Right. So now, the generation of Adam has placed us in such a sin, sick situation. So what's the next thing that is happening? We now begin to discover that Jesus came, introduced his life into us. What's the life doing? He's undoing every poison of Adam that was in our system. Praise the living God. Are you getting this? All right. So again, go to verse 22. For as in Adam, all die. Not some, all. Not a few people, all. Not those that were born into his lineage as per those we find like Methuselah, all of that. No, 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 no. Beyond all of those people, down to our age, all died. Everyone is inclusive. We were now in the record of Adam, the generation of Adam, the tree of Adam, the genealogy of Adam, with all the poison that Adam have introduced to his children. Are you there with me? Wow. For as in Adam, all that, even so in Christ, show how many people? Now this is where people get it a little bit dangerously wrong. <laughs> Praise the living God. If all died in Adam, and all is to be made alive, I mean, if all cannot be made alive, then Adam's blood is stronger than the blood of Jesus. Amen? Like I got looking at the balance. If you have a balance, you understand that. Right. We're balancing the thing. The scripture is balancing it. You can't say the blood of Adam is, is heavier than the blood of Jesus. So, you know what the balance is? Weigh. When you weigh something, right? You see? So that is the weight. So what we are saying is, every drop of stone or weight you have on the left is the same measure you are going to have where? On the right. But if you say, all can be made alive, that means the stones or the weight on the left is heavier than the weight on the right. You are saying, the power with which Adam make all men die Jesus doesn't have that power to make all men come alive. And that is similarly what we have come to believe in scripture. I mean, in Christianity. But that is not what the Bible is saying. It's undoing everything to the minute situation that Adam has given to man. It's undoing it. That we don't have it now doesn't mean that is not the agenda of God. Praise God somebody. That is why the world talks about the severance of the present time cannot be compared to the glory that will be manifested. That's what I try to illustrate to you. You find that there is this V-shape, like I'm saying. The whole of this, Adam brought man down. Jesus came right there. He's taking man up. And if, if Adam took all men down 
and he said Jesus can take all men up then Adam's power is heavier and stronger than the power of Jesus which cannot be praise the living God so the good news is we are getting back to where we were in the very beginning it may not be your age it may not be your time but that is a prophetic agenda of God that all men that got into corruption he wants to give life to on the other side everybody that was brought down is being taken up to the very place that were before they came down praise the living God and this is why the Bible says Christ was slain before what? The foundation of the world. The provision for man to get back was made before man even attempted to fall. Therefore, Jesus is going to get the victory. It doesn't matter what anybody believes. It doesn't matter what anybody is teaching. Jesus is getting the victory. Praise God, somebody. Look at verse 23. Hallelujah. It's about every man in his own order. Huh. That word order is like what they call battalion in the Greek. Is that okay? Right. It's like what you, can, you have like battalion A division, B division, groups of people. Is that alright? Good. Every man is in all order. Um, how do I put this again? Another way to illustrate this. How many of you understand what they do in Anglican churches? You have the order of Columbus, order of night, the night, night of Columbus, right? Right. Those are order. A group of people in a particular segment to do and to perform certain functions. Right? Good. And then we have the order of Melchizedek. Very good. So we're now talking of people that belong to Melchizedek in that dimension, completely different to the order of Aaron. You understand it now, right? So when you say every man is in order, that means this thing are going to be done in patches. Glory to God. They are going to be done in groups of certain people that are going to bring it to a level of glory, a manifestation of that first life, and other people will finally come. But every man is in order. And then you say Christ the first fruit after our day that our Christ are disappearing. Praise God, somebody. Let me read it from the New Century Version. I just like this translation. You may not have it. I'm not sure you have it in your software there. NCV, New Century Version. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. Death has come because of what one man did. But the rising from the dead also comes because of one man. Simple. In Adam, all of us die. In the same way, hallelujah, in Christ, all of us, we've made alive again. Praise God, somebody. In Adam, all of us died. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but in Christ, we all that died in Adam are all going to be made alive. What is it all? Humanity. Hallelujah. Verse 23 says, But everyone will be raised to life in the right order. Christ will first be raised. When Christ comes again, those who belong to him will be raised to life. And then the end will come. At that time, Christ will destroy all rulers, authorities, and powers. And he will hand over the kingdom to God the Father. Praise the living God. Are we here? Now I want you to understand it because it's very important. What we're dealing with here now, we're dealing with the second phase of the genealogy. Well, the genealogy of, who? of Adam. 
everyone is coming into that genealogy. God is destroying the foundation of the old genealogy. He's taking away every power of the false father which has to do with Adam and reintroducing a new genealogy in Christ Jesus. Amen? Alright. Let's take this from message translation again. First Corinthians 15.21 message translation. If you can find it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There is a nice symmetry in this. Death initially came by man. A resurrection from death came by what? A man. Understand this simple principle. That is why this one called a symmetry. Hallelujah. What's the next thing? Verse 22. Everybody dies in Adam. How many people? Everybody. Everybody comes alive in who? In Christ. Every, every, every. I need you to hear that loud enough. Hallelujah. Look at verse 23 now. But we have to wait our turn. Praise God. Christ is first. Then those with him are disappearing or coming. We have to wait for our turn. So there is a turn in all of these things that we're talking about. But everybody is coming to the same experience. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at verse 24. The grand consummation when after crushing the opposition he hands over his kingdom to God the Father. Amen. That's a grand what is that? The grand consummation. The final thing. There is not going to be any opposition in life that will oppose the life of God in your life or oppose the reign of God in your life or oppose the power of the Holy Spirit. There isn't going to be anyone. God is undoing all of that through the power and the Spirit of Christ ever right now. The new generation, the new genealogy that God is forming on the face of the earth, any of those things that belong to Adam cannot survive in that environment. Praise the living God somebody. How we here? Look at verse 25. He won't let up until the last enemy is down. What's the last enemy? Verse 26. And the very last enemy is what? Death. Whether we believe it or not, this is God's mind. Death is going to be abolished. Hallelujah. Because death was not there in the beginning before the fall. There was no death in the beginning before the fall. And so we're going back to where we were before the fall. And don't be impatient and don't think it's false message of false doctrine to teach that man is going to come to the place of immortality finally. It's not false doctrine. It's reality. Sometimes people preach this and they say, okay, if this is true, why did he die? My question is this. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus was going to be born. If it was true, why didn't Isaiah see Jesus born? You see that? The fact that Isaiah did not see the birth of Jesus didn't mean what Isaiah said was false. It was a prophetic message. Hallelujah. Are you seeing that? 
So if the word is saying death is going to be dealt with, we got to believe it, we got to declare it, we got to announce it. It's part of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus. That is part of the package for the new genealogy that are in Christ. Death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. This is what the Bible says. And this is what we must teach. Irrespective of your experience. Your experience has nothing to do with the Bible. Man's experience has nothing to do with the word of God. Amen. Nothing to do with it. Everybody and everything is coming up by its own turn. There is a precept. There is a generation. Everything is increasing. God's glory is increasing on the face of the earth. From glory to glory. Hallelujah. So what generation do you belong to today, if I may ask you? You belong to the generation of who? Of Jesus Christ. Are you getting that now? Mighty chapter 1 verse 1. You belong to the generation of Jesus Christ, not generation of Adam. And so everything that Jesus carried, that is what those in each generation are supposed to carry. You know, sometimes people tell you this. They have some sickness, they said, it's paternal. In other words, it's coming from, yeah, the family. That this sickness is in the family. So we can say it's a generational sickness. Is that, is that correct? Right. So you find that death was a generational sickness that Adam introduced to his own children and everyone that's upon the face of the earth. And now Jesus has come and is bringing another thing again. And the generation of Adam, one thing is important in their life, one thing is manifest, one thing is obvious, that is life. And no death. Everything in this new generation is what? Life. So there has to be life in your system, life in your body, life in everything that you have. That is the new generation that God is bringing on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. And we are saying the word generation means books because I'm going to make you see that. Just put that because very important. When we get to part two or so, be able to see when we talk about all those whose names are not written in the book of life, where that supposed to mean in the generation of Jesus. <laughs> you getting that? Praise the living God. All those who are not written in the generation of Jesus, they worship the beast. That's just simple. Amen. You call it the book of life, or the book of generation of Jesus. That's what it stands for. And it means everything about Jesus that he has begotten to his own people which belongs to him. Whom he has received to himself as his own children. Praise God somebody. That's why I tell the book of Isaiah that the sea shall speak at the end of the day. Hallelujah. We'll come to that. So what am I trying to I'm just trying discipline to introduce and to define for you what it means when the Bible talks about the generation of Adam or the generation of Jesus. Amen. It speaks of a group of people with the same identity of life and act and behavior and conduct that we move to the generation of Jesus and then we begin to manifest everything that pertains to Christ's life. Praise the living God. Because everyone that began the generation, which is like what we call the ascensors, there is a particular trait and DNA that he introduced to the people that is given back to. So Adam introduced death, introduced sickness, introduced poverty. All of those things were introduced to Adam. Remember, when he was in the garden, I mean by Adam, when he was in the garden, he could have all things freely given to him. Everything was given to him for free, right? But it was when he sinned, the Bible now tells us that God now said, you go to walk the ground. And it was driven from the garden. Remember that. The garden was east of Eden, but now it was driven from the garden to till the ground. That is where suffering came in. Now Jesus coming to reverse everything that Adam has placed on us. 
And so he's taking us back from where we are now to the garden itself. Praise the living God. Let me read the final scripture of 1 Corinthians 3 verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 3 verse number 9. Let me see if that's what I want. Hallelujah. Good. Look at this. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Take another translation. I want to define the word husbandry for you. Hallelujah. Okay. What makes them what doing is the God we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working. Or to put it in another way, you are God's house. Amen. Take Amplified Translation. Amplified Translation. And this is what it says. First Corinthians 3 verse number 9. For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. You are God's garden. That's what I'm looking for. And vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. You are God's garden. God had a garden where? In Eden. So the truth, the church today is, I would define it to be a miniature garden of the true garden. By implication, we're moving back to the place we were when everything was perfect, everything was right, we were God's trees, the planting of God, the righteousness of God. We're going back to all of that. And that is because we're not joined to a new book, a new account, a new genealogy, a new generation of people that is called the Christ generation instead of the Adam generation. And everything that has been recorded against us is being undone today. That's why you are discharged and acquitted. You are set free. You are let loose. Whatever thing that Adam placed on you is being taken away by who? By Christ. Because right now, we're going back to being the true garden of God. The very garden that God had in the very beginning where there was no sickness, there was no pain, there was nothing of misfortune in that garden. Everything was perfect until the eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now the effect of true of knowledge of good and evil is what Jesus has come to undo. And so when he undoes those things in your life, when the next thing you, you happen, you move back to where? To the garden. Praise the living God somebody. And the Bible tells out of the garden break forth four rivers. I'm going to touch that as we progress. God bless you and thank you so very much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.